Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey everyone, welcome to God's Whole Story. My name is Ryan. I'm here today with Amber Fisher. Hello. Hello, Amber. Uh, We are basically getting like, today is pretty much the story of Stephen, I would say. Yeah. There's like a, there's like an intro about what's going on here, and then there's like, a sermon from Stephen, just kind of interesting. Um, yeah, what do you want to talk about right away? Uh, the first thing that stuck out to me was like the first paragraph, um, talking about the believers rapidly multiplying, and then it says that the Hebrew-speaking believers and the Greek-speaking believers um, were com- well, the the Greek-speaking believers were complaining mm-hmm. about the Hebrew-speaking believers. And it's interesting how immediate it was that there was separation in the church, just mm-hmm. like so fast. It's interesting because a lot of times we have like this really flowery picture of what the early church was. Like, oh my gosh, mm. they loved being together. And like, if we could just be like the early yeah, church. Yeah, let's model ourselves after yeah. the early church. So you have Acts 2.42 that is all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. Um, a deep sense of awe came over them all and the apostles performed many miraculous signs of and wonders. So you get like like this early church picture of like, wow. This is so awesome. Like, if we could just recapture that. And then you get uh, Acts 6, 1. It's like, hey, and then they became super racist and starved old ladies on purpose. Yeah. Um, and that's what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> the, you, might, you might miss it if you just read it in, like, the flowery language of the Bible. But what you have here is a, a group of people with Jewish heritage um, who are purposely making sure that their widows are cared for while those of Greek heritage are not cared for. Which makes sense. Like, even with them believing Jesus yeah. and changing their perspective, they still have those, like, those like rooted, deep-rooted, um, I don't know, problems with the other people that there's aren't this, them. There's this continuous draw for them to, like, retreat back into their mm. cultural cluster. Yeah. Um, and we'll see that later with... Um, Peter, actually, Paul gets in a fight with Peter at one point because, um, like, basically he goes up to Peter and he's like, hey, like, whenever Jews are around, you just, like, hang out with them the whole time and you ignore everybody else. Like, stop it. Um, So this is a serious problem because it's threatening the unity of the church. Uh, What's hilarious is how the apostles handle it. They're like, hey, we are too busy sharing the word of God to be, like, handing out food. Um, So if you want somebody to run this cafeteria, you're going to need to pick somebody else. Uh, but what's what's interesting about that is they care very much about the spiritual character of the people that they choose, um, which to me stands out. Like, sometimes that's not how we tend to make decisions. It's like, who should run the food program? Well, who here has been a food person? But the, ch- the early church is like, okay, who loves God the most? Yeah. You can help us do this. Um, and I think it's because they're they're trying to heal this division. They're trying to make sure that people are cared for. But ultimately, they want the the – they want – people to be better Christians. And so they want people to be leaders who are full of the spirit. Um, And so you can notice they pick exclusively Greeks Um, and you can miss that, but the the names are all Greek names. They're not Jewish names. Um, And what that means is that they go out of their way to pick people based on their culture uh, to make sure that the Greeks are well represented because they're going to care for their people. Um, Yeah. And out of that comes Stephen who is a, quite a guy. Yeah, he is um, performing amazing miracles and signs among the people, and some people are just not having it. 
<laughs> um, <laughs> it's crazy how fast, again, so immediate. He's persecuted um, for doing these things. And a lying witness comes forward and says, you are you are lying about, you're saying bad things about Moses and about God. Mm-hmm. I think it's funny how high they hold Moses mm-hmm. sometimes. They're like, about Moses and also God. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he just goes into saying the whole story. Nice little recap of God's whole story. If you've missed, if you're just catching up with God's whole story, you could just listen to this episode. You're like, oh, okay, that's what happened. <laughs> oh, that's the right, Testament? Great. great. <laughs> but it is funny. It's like, they're like, you don't like Moses. And he's like, actually, I know a lot about yeah. Moses. And he goes on this long diatribe about the history of Israel, basically. I mean, he's calling them out for what they've done in their past. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. And he's saying you're falling back into these same patterns. Yeah. Just like you always do. Um. Oh. You know, and he's very, very knowledgeable how eloquent he is and how quickly he goes from one point to the next. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've read this, and I don't think that I could give you such a succinct. And he was just speaking, so he must have been a very gifted speaker. I was thinking about when Jesus tells them that they're going to, like, Jesus gathers the disciples together, and he's like, hey, you're going to be persecuted. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about what you're going to say when you're persecuted, because the Holy Spirit is going to fill you with what to say. And I think we're seeing that happen here with Stephen, um, because he is extremely yeah. eloquent in this. Um, it would be Luke who's recording this, but he hits all the high points. He gets all the details. Um, and he gives this pretty compelling speech. Unfortunately, it's so compelling that they hate him even more and just decide to kill him. Yeah. And we do get this, like, um, this sort of scary, dark introduction to Saul, who we're going to get to know a lot better. Cause yeah. it's sort of tacked on. It's like, and Saul was there too. Yeah. And they like, <laughs> like what? They like, Put all of their coats beside him. So uh-huh. I guess he wasn't a part of actually stoning him. Yeah, it seems like he was not necessarily part of throwing the rocks. Right, but um, he was definitely there and fine with it. But it does seem like he's some influential part of what's happening. Yeah, it was um, memorable that he was there. Which is interesting because the the church is growing and expanding. Saul is going to become Paul. He's going to become an instrument of expanding the church. Um, but people end up in a place where they need to welcome this dude who stoned Stephen into their home for dinner. So I think sometimes we miss how radical the early church was because you end up in situations where someone like Paul literally is part of murdering Stephen. And then you're expected to enjoy fellowship with him because he's now, because he now knows Jesus. Yeah, The amount that they would have had to believe that you can change. I mean, the... The idea of it is great. Like people can change through Christ and it's beautiful. Yeah. But then the actually applica- application of that, especially when you're talking about killing people that are using God's word, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. They must have, yeah, I'm sure that there were problems with that. But. Oh, there was a lot of hesitations. Yeah. They're like, uh, what? <laughs> are you trying <laughs> to trick me right again? now? <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, one more thing. I saw that Stephen, it said somewhere like before he started preaching, that his face was like red. Yeah. And I wonder if that was like embarrassment or like anger or like, what was that? Like, what, what do you think the emotion? It was, actually like, says was like having? his face was like bright, like an angel or something. Right. Oh, did it say bright? Like an angel? I was, it was weird. His face became as bright as an angel's. Okay. Yeah. I was picturing like red. No, he was like glowing. I guess. Oh, that's cool. I guess. Yeah. So he was, yeah, totally filled by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Face bright as an angel. And he's just like, here's the history. You guys are crazy. It's wild. <laughs> Oh, wow. So this is going to lead us into Acts 8. We'll get into that tomorrow. But Acts 8 is really where we start to see a concerted effort to persecute the church and spread them out. Um, So this is kind of an introduction to that persecution. Saul is going to be leading the persecution. 
Um, but then Saul's going to shift in how he sees things. Is he the first Actually, he's literally, one? Ah, that's funny. What was, what was Saul's going to change in how he sees things in that he's <laughs> going to be blind soon. That was good. I laughed at my own good joke, guys. It's great. All right. Well, we'll be back again tomorrow. We'll be digging into Acts 8. So we'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Acts 6, starting in verse 1. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve called a meeting of all believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them, and they laid hands on them. So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. But one day, some men from the synagogue of freed slaves, as it was called, started to debate with him. They were Jews from Cyrene, Alexandria, Sicilia, and the province of Asia. None of them could stand against the wisdom and spirit of which Stephen spoke. So they persuaded some men to lie about Stephen, saying, We heard him blaspheme Moses and even God. This roused the people, the elders and the teachers of the religious law. So they arrested Stephen and brought him before the high council. The lying witness said, This man is always speaking against the holy temple and against the law of Moses. We have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the temple and change the customs Moses handed down to us. At this point, everyone in the high council stared at Stephen because his face became as bright as an angel's. Then the high priest asked Stephen, Are these accusations true? This was Stephen's reply. Brothers and fathers, listen to me. Our glorious God appeared to our ancestor Abraham in Mesopotamia before he settled in Haran. God told him, Leave your native land and your relatives and come into the land that I will show you. So Abraham left the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran until his father died. Then God brought him here to the land where you now live. But God gave him no inheritance here, not even one square foot of land. God did promise, however, that eventually the whole land would belong to Abraham and his descendants, even though he had no children yet. God also told him that his descendants would live in a foreign land, where they would be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them, God said, and in the end they will come out and worship me here in this place. God also gave Abraham the covenant of circumcision at that time. So when Abraham became the father of Isaac, he circumcised him on the eighth day, and the practice was continued when Isaac became the father of Jacob, and when Jacob became the father of the twelve patriarchs of the Israelite nation. These patriarchs were jealous of their brother Joseph, and they sold him to be a slave in Egypt. But God was with him and rescued him from all his troubles. And God gave him favor before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. God also gave Joseph unusual wisdom, so that Pharaoh appointed him governor over all of Egypt and put him in charge of the palace. But a famine came upon Egypt and Canaan. There was a great misery, and our ancestors ran out of food. Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, so he sent his sons, our ancestors, to buy some. The second time they went, Joseph revealed his identity to his brothers, and they were introduced to Pharaoh. Then Joseph sent for his father Jacob, 
and all his relatives to come to Egypt, 75 persons in all. So Jacob went to Egypt. He died there, as did our ancestors. Their bodies were taken to Shechem and buried in the tomb Abraham had bought for a certain price from Hamor's sons in Shechem. As the time drew near when God would fulfill his promise to Abraham, the number of our people in Egypt greatly increased. But then a new king came to the throne of Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph. This king exploited our people and oppressed them, forcing parents to abandon their newborn babies so they would die. At that time, Moses was born, a beautiful child in God's eyes. His parents cared for him at home for three months. When they had to abandon him, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and raised him as her own son. Moses was taught all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was powerful in both speech and action. One day, when Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his relatives, the people of Israel. He saw an Egyptian mistreating an Israelite. So Moses came to the man's defense and avenged him, killing the Egyptian. Moses assumed his fellow Israelites would realize that God had sent him to rescue them, but they didn't. The next day he visited them again and saw two men of Israel fighting. He tried to be a peacemaker. Men, he said, you are brothers. Why are you fighting each other? But the man in the wrong pushed Moses aside. Who made you a ruler and judge over us, he asked. Are you going to kill me as you killed that Egyptian yesterday? When Moses heard that, he fled the country and lived as a foreigner in the land of Midian. There his two sons were born. Forty years later, in the desert near Mount Sinai, an angel appeared to Moses in the flame of a burning bush. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight. As he went to take a closer look, the voice of the Lord called out to him, I am the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses shook with terror and did not dare to look. When the Lord said to him, Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groans and have come to the rescue. Now go, for I am sending you back to Egypt. So God sent back the same man his people had previously rejected when they demanded, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Through the angel, Though the angel had appeared to him in the burning bush, God sent Moses to be their ruler and savior. And by means of many wonders and miraculous signs, he led them out of Egypt, through the Red Sea, and through the wilderness for forty years. Moses himself told the people of Israel, God will raise you up a prophet like me from among my own people. Moses was with our ancestors in the assembly of God's people in the wilderness when the angel spoke to him at Mount Sinai, and there Moses received life-giving words to pass on to us. But our ancestors refused to listen to Moses. They rejected him and wanted to return to Egypt. They told Aaron, make us some gods who can lead us, for we don't know what has become of this Moses who brought us out of Egypt. So they made an idol shaped like a calf, and they sacrificed to it and celebrated over this thing that they had made. Then God turned away from them and abandoned them to serve the stars of heaven and their gods. In the books of the prophets, it's written, Was it to me you were bringing your sacrifices and offerings during those 40 years in the wilderness, Israel? No, you carried your pagan gods, the shrine of Molech, the star of your god Rephon, and the images you made to worship them. So I will send you into exile as far away as Babylon. Our ancestors carried the tabernacle with them through the wilderness. It was constructed according to the plan God had shown to Moses. Years later, when Joshua led our ancestors in battle against the nations that God drove out of this land, the tabernacle was taken with them into the new territory, and it stayed there until the time of King David. David found favor with God and asked for the privilege of building a permanent temple for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who actually built it. However, the Most High doesn't live in temples made by human hands. As the prophet said, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Could you build me a temple as good as that? asked the Lord. Could you build me such a resting place? 
Didn't my hands make both heaven and earth? You stubborn people, you are a heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did, and so do you. Name one prophet your ancestors didn't persecute. They even killed the ones who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah, whom you betrayed and murdered. You deliberately disobeyed God's law, even though you received it from the hands of angels. The Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation, and they shook their fists at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God, and he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, Look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees, shouting, Lord, don't don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, It means a lot to us, even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, If you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, We would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, You can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcasts at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you. And if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.